This is the 57th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me are my dear co-hosts Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello, hi, how do you do? Hello, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the TopTech app. In this week, we will, as per usual, talk about some more recent legacy paper play with a report from a 4.0 at FNM, as well as some in-podcast kitchen table shenanigans. And after that, we shall be introducing a new segment to our podcast. By popular demand, we will be assembling the Legacy Staple Connoisseur panel. We have on this podcast talked a lot about basic land art, and we will from now on also talk about the art of classic legacy cards. First up will be nothing other than Brainstorm, so stick around for that. However, first things first, Robin, what paper magic have you been playing to great success? I celebrated the return to playing magic at the local game store with uh, a 4-0. Very nice. I brought the trusted 8-cast deck. I actually wanted to try out no less than three shields in the sideboard to just see if it can combat the red cards. But I think I resolved one shield in the entire evening and it didn't do anything. So like the the verdict is up on the card. (laughs) But it was a a great magic day I should say. I started out facing off against a dear friend on Food Chain that he's usually playing. And I don't really remember the games very well but I think that game two was a seed of innocence resolved. And like that was the end for me. Like that was the theme of the entire day actually. Me taking down a fast game one, some sort of hate killing me in game two. And then when on the play again, having a great game three. In the second round, I was up against a newcomer to the local game store. And he had borrowed a deck that I don't think that he was used to play. So he was on Monored Goblins, a sort of a stompy ver- version of it with like Rebel Master and those kind of cards. But not 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 Monored Stomp, it was still like Muxus and Ringleaders and that kind of stuff. And like, I was ready for that with three shields, but I, <laughs> I didn't see them. I managed to take down game one. And uh, in game two, Muxus resolved and uh, swiftly killed me. And in uh, game three, it was rather interesting. He resolved a Trinisphere that locked him out of the game. (laughs) And uh, like, this is my experience. Yeah. (laughs) Been there, done that. Yeah. (laughs) Like, on paper, Trinisphere seems like a real good card against a, a deck full of zero drops, right? But in reality, you usually have developed your mana by the time Trinisphere lands and like it has to be turn one Trinisphere I think for it to be as potent as it can be. Yeah I mean turn one of the play should be a really nice time to resolve Trinisphere against you but turn two on the draw seems just sort of <laughs> you've emptied your hand already basically. Right I mean that that's how it is because usually you can get by by just playing like one spell or one artifact each turn from turn three and, and forward. You don't have to be as explosive. It, it's just a turn one or turn two where you are that explosive. So Yeah, and I, I feel also like bringing, or, or 
leaning into the Trinisphere plan against both Saga and Ancient Tomb deck is always risky. I've played some smokestack, you know, just a stacks deck, and whenever I play against Ancient Tomb decks, it feels so much worse. But you can't really board them out because that's like your game plan, but for Goblin's deck, it feels like another avenue might be possible. And I think that for some other decks, that kind of effect is a trap against 8 casts. Like, say that you play a white-green deck. I'm not sure if you are supposed to bring in the Deafening Silence, for instance. And I'm not sure if you play lands, if you are supposed to bring in the Sphere of Resistance. I think that can come back and bite you, actually. It has to be turn 1, or otherwise it's quite a bad card. Yeah, for sure. Did you did you rock your uh, Torpor Orb? I did not, but maybe it will come back to the deck. Now, I, I don't I think I'm going to <laughs> play around with Shield in the, in the in the next events. So I'm going to try different configurations. In like the third game was against Merfolk, so another tribal deck. I won a swift game one, as you do with eight cast, and then on game two he had a chalice on zero, and I just didn't do much at all that game. And then in game three, I was on the play again, so I could just spill my hand, and then the chalice didn't really matter. So, sort of the same thing there as with the Trinisphere, really strong hit piece, but only on the play. Otherwise, it's a little bit too slow. And then the final game was against Jeskai Mentor. Like, in, in similar fashion, I, I managed to win game one, and actually raise the Mentor with, uh, this, with the Shadow Spear. And it was a bit funny when I was tapping my ancient tomb, he was like, no respect for the mentor. And I'm like, nah, I'm just going to equip this life link equipment and, and gain a lot of life. Uh, I mean, in game one, it's it's really hard to raise a shadow spear. If it's constructs or if it's kappa, you will gain a lot of life and you will like trample over all the little blockers. So, Yeah, and there's also the, the problem of respecting mentor too much. Like right. each turn, it just gets worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to kill them f- fast, or mentor gets out of hand. Kill fast or die fast. <laughs> What's that? Uh, it was two cards in Kaladesh. I think live fast, die young. Right. Then in game two, I lost to Stone Silence, if I remember correctly. Uh, sometimes you can play through that card, but it depends a little bit on how your hand shakes out. And I think that I also got dressed down, so my construct died, and then a follow-up with a hate piece. And but in game three, I had a, quite a fast hand with chalice and a capa cannoneer to to finish the game out. So that was uh, really nice. Yeah, that's super sweet. And you beating Jeskai, which is always scary. But it didn't sound like a breacher deck. So at least perhaps you got to draw your cards. <laughs> Yeah, that is my experience so far that like the mentor deck or perhaps the kitten deck is a little bit easier than the like the full on anti draw deck with hull breachers and full playset and narset because that makes the baubles so bad and like the eight the namesake cards are also so bad. So I prefer facing off against the mentor actually. Oh, that's cool. All right. That was uh, my adventure at the local game score store. Well, well done for you. 4-0, I mean, that's not cat litter in Stockholm, I should say. But you guys also had some kitchen table adventures. Share Robin, isn't that so? 
Yeah, that's that's right. Like I was sitting at home. I can't remember if it was uh, first day, but I lit the bat signal and asking my fellow co-hosts if anyone was up for for some paper legacy because I I really needed to dust dust some uh, rust off. You know, this summer has not been super legacy intense for me, but I've done so much brewing that I was literally sitting at home like just flickering cards. Uh, so I was like, oh man, I gotta I gotta get out there. So uh, Robin responded to the call. So I, I went to his place and I I dodged the worst rain I've seen in a long time by like. 10 seconds maybe yeah i like heard the doorbell and like the the insane rain going on outside and then like opening the door and you were there quite dry i was so surprised (laughs) then it was nice like uh, we went inside ready for some legacy and we tried uh, two two different gauntlets against each other what did you bring or to the table robin i put together naya depths which I've been thinking about testing out a little bit more. So that was one of the decks. And I had a blue and red Delver ready for battle as well. I had uh, Turbo Depths also sleeved up. And I had uh, the 8 cost deck. So that was uh, like the gauntlet that I brought. I brought two Displacer Kitten decks, uh, which was a lot of fun. Of course you did. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like uh, I've just been sitting thinking about how you can what you can do with this card and it's it's funny like it was yesterday's i think robin suggested a card that we're gonna get into in one of the decks that i was just like oh hell yeah i'm gonna play that too but then i also brought one of the green sun zenith alert decks that has been uh, performing quite okay recently yeah i find that a little bit funny that like i brought quite the variety of decks <laughs> to the table and you were like i got this creature combo deck and I, then i also have this creature combo deck and I have a third iteration of a creature combo deck. <laughs> yeah, and all and, and all of the combo payoffs are four mana. But it was it was it was funny. I'm trying to convert uh, Robin's kids into playing creature combo. It's a long journey, but you gotta start somewhere. But yeah, like the first matches we played was uh, Karn Kitten against Blue Red Delver, and I got absolutely demolished. Like it was not close. <laughs> it was even it it went so badly that Robin didn't even really know what I was on until we had played like three three games or four games and we swapped decks and I was, I and I revealed the kitten for the first time and I played a full playset but I never drew one. <laughs> So it was just a bad Ursa deck. So that was a lot of fun. But then I brought out the real guns what, that I had been brewing at. My Jeskai Kitten deck. And right. first uh, we played off against uh, Naya Depths. Mm-hmm. And that felt like a really good matchup for for the Jeskai build. Yeah. You know, uh, the the list that I'm trying... I'm not sure if, if uh, any of our listeners have uh, seen any of these Jeskai displace a kitten decks but it has it has this combo built in to it that just allows you to draw the deck and then you can win with you know fastest oracle or jace wielder of mysteries i think that's the name of the jace but some things that are really cool is that you can just get on these crazy kitten loops because you're playing snapcasters narsets and them together just draws a lot of card if you keep on minusing narset and then just play any spell, you get to minus again directly. So you dig really fast. 
But I actually put in two Fable of the Mirror Breaker in the deck as well to help with mana and also just help you dig towards the combo because this deck is playing, you know, bobbles and predicts and stuff like that. So it draws a lot of cards and a lot of them are not going to be great in the matchup you're in. So the second lore counter or whatever it's called is really good for just throwing away the quote-unquote dead cards in the matchup and dig for either a combo or removal. So yeah, I think that was a, a really good configuration of the of the list and it, it feels super strong. Uh, we also played a bit against eight casts, right? Yeah, as you just say from the Naya standpoint, I mean, I'm, I'm new to that deck as well. I, I think I sideboarded uh, quite badly in the beginning and then like corrected after each game, like uh, I should have taken out this card and I shouldn't have brought in this card and so, so on and so forth. But I think like you will surely have cards in your deck to beat like the control decks of the format, like some sort of haymaker that will just create an in- inevitability. But like against that combo finish which is also protected with Teferi and can't be interacted with like any of the cards that you probably play. You have to like put really weird cards into your deck to sort of combat that. So I think in the end I just gave up against like fighting the combo. No hate at all against that and just tried to win like a fair slugfest and then I lost to the combo of course. So a real tough matchup for for Naya colors felt like. Yeah. And uh I think we played only two games, Allure and against Turbo Depths. I think we we quickly realized that this is uh, this is a bad matchup for Turbo Depths, and you know I I've played that matchup so many times, and I I think it's super good for Allure, and you have so many dorks to just block, and yeah, inevitably like you get to the combo, and there's nothing to do on the other side. Right. But then yeah. we did round it off, I think, with uh, with some eight cast against Jeskai. Uh, kitten and yeah that, that was nice that was super cool and that was a, a bit more even than the naya versus just guy but uh, yeah it, it felt super strong there as well like it's just such a it's a deck that can do so many mean things and yeah. uh, you, you know you're playing mystic sanctuary you're boarding in red blasts and meltdowns and i even had an energy flux so it's it's just uh, you trying to stave off the opponent until you can resolve it like a Teferi like whenever Teferi lands it's just gonna be such a nightmare for the for the eight cast deck but there are some things that's really hard to interact with like Kappa Cannoneer and stuff like that and that's why I have my two sideboard Terminus in the matchup which are super nasty against both Naya and uh, and eight cast when you just need to remove the clock so yeah, super fun to play. I'll definitely play some more Kitten. Yeah, and I felt like that testing session was really valuable for me because I tried out this sort of play style where I took out all of the one-mana artifacts so that I would only grab baubles with uh, with Ursa Saga so that like ev- everything that I commit to the board is expendable so to say and in that sense i wasn't so weak to to a meltdown or like the energy flux in one game where you're just like yeah I'm, yeah i'm not gonna be able to pay anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. that that was uh very hard to beat but i think like 
trying to minimize like the losses from meltdown can be a playstyle that is uh, actually maybe better than trying to always i mean i'm going to board in cards to try to fight meltdown obviously but like you you cannot commit too many cards because then your deck will be really bad as well so maybe solving trying to solve meltdown with a playstyle can be like one path to to victory for eight cast as well yeah yeah we talked about that a bit and uh, it makes a lot of sense i mean it always sucks to get meltdown but if you get some cards out of it it's not the worst deal in the world compared to you know if if you're expecting (laughs) your opponent has a fetch and free islands and they've already melted you once maybe getting the shadow spear isn't really gonna accomplish anything Exactly, and like I think I had like needles for the Teferi, but like that needle is just going to be, it's just going to die with other artifacts in the meltdown. So then I rather just draw a card and and have a hand to rebuild after the meltdown. I will keep on testing that method and see how it goes. Yeah, but it was a super cool play session, and now I'm not de-rusted yet, but it's a start. good times on the week's paper play front and now folks what some of you have been waiting for the legacy staple connoisseur panel as we said at the top of this show today in this segment we will discuss legacy staples that come in various art versions in order to simply determine which art is the best. We do perhaps not expect to agree amongst ourselves all the time, but as a service and pleasure, we will be honest in our judgments. In this week's episode, we will hit one of the absolute most famous legacy cards, which is Brainstorm. First printed in Ice Age, Brainstorm has, if we are correct in our counting, 27 printings in sets and all combined nine different arts. So, Robin, kick us off here. Which one is the actual best brainstorm? I started playing quite early in the Days of Magic. And uh, for me, Ice Age has a special like place in my heart. So I've been playing the Ice Age version in a lot of my decks. But I know that like the Mercedian Masks version is very popular. And I am big gone to sort of join that camp as well so like an assured shared first place for me is the original ice age printing and then the mercedian masks version i think those are equally good and like the rest of the brainstorms are just not doing it for me i I don't think i would ever play any other brainstorm than those two what about you christopher what's your favorite brainstorm for me it's quite easy i'm i'm probably in that majority camp when i when i think about brainstorm i think about the marsadian masks i'm thinking about that vizier holding their fingers towards their head and you know you see all these symbols going around i don't know it's it's uh, it's super iconic it's it's not the first brainstorm that i saw like ever played but it's the one that I've chosen to play with since, I don't know, 2004 maybe. And I just, I think the art is great. I think if you compare it to a lot of the other ones, Brainstorm is often depicted like as a literal storm. <laughs> and for me, Brainstorm is 
one of those moments where you take a deep breath and you reconsider the position that you're in and what you need to do to move on. And I think if you just look at the different flavor texts of the brainstorms that are available, I think the one from Ice Age is really good. I reeled from the blow and then suddenly I knew exactly what to do. Within moments, victory was mine. That feels like such an aggressive card. You're not really sure if you're you know, drawing cards with this with this spell or what you're up to. But I really appreciate the, the flavor text and the art of Mercedes Masks, which is I see more than others do because I know where to look. And uh, I just think it's super clean and super well done. And, you know, I'm going to give a special shout out to the Mercedes Masks version with the frame that it has. Works perfect with predicts and that time-shifted ponders. So yeah, that's that's my pick. I, I think like the Mercedian Masks picture looks like the turn two main phase brainstorm. Like you take your time, you like, have, I have 10 cards in my hand, I'm going to like carefully pick two cards and put back and fetch them away. While the Ice Age is like, there's something really terrible on the stack and I need to find a counter spell <laughs> right now. So I'm going to do the Ice Age brainstorm and just go, ah, I need to find it now. It's diff- totally different feel to it. I think the Ice Age one also kind of looks like you're ad nauseum bricked, but you're at one right. life. So you play out <laughs> your two leads. And then yeah. you crack a lotus petal, brainstorm, and crack leads in response for black. <laughs> that's right. that's kind of like the all or nothing vibe that I'm getting of it. It's great. Yeah. So, uh, Victor, what is what have you chosen? I mean, of course, you guys have talked about the the two classics: uh, Ice Age brainstorm by Christopher Rush and uh, Masks brainstorm by the Terlitzi. And I am gonna have to be straight here with you guys that you are in the wrong. You are overly nostalgic here, and that's, uh, that, that fools you. But it's not your fault. The fault here lies within the naming of the card Brainstorm as Brainstorm, because it super limits almost all art direction for this card. Either it's a brain in a fucking storm that <laughs> we've seen recently, which is just <laughs> hilariously stupid. It's a choice. Uh, but, but it's uh, the first the first Christopher Rush image has this open brain with lightning on it and masks sort of you put your head to the temple it's essentially the same thing it, it's it's all about sort of things going on in the brain and brainstorming for me I mean I come from sort of brainstorming for me it's just like a corporate sort of let's we have a brainstorm session let's get good ideas out here and and that's sort of anything but the calculated blue mage who sort of carefully considers their play and make sort of these meticulous advantages in, in increments so on and so forth but also i'm just gonna say i i don't think that almost anyone has has made a good piece of art for brainstorm most of them are so limited by this brain head temple lightning interaction that it's sort of doomed to fail and the only exception that i have in that category is the very recent uh, Strixhaven Mystical Archive by Alexis and Justin Hernandez because it has, at least it's a nice piece of art, which goes for most of the Mystical Archives, I'm going to say as a footnote. Mystical Archive art is completely underappreciated, I think, because of that infamous faithless looting 
artsy art piece from Mystical Archive that sort of made everyone look away from all the other cards. But I really encourage anyone who wants to uh, find nice magic art to look again uh, at Mystical Archive because there are some really bangers in there. But having said that, like, uh, so, so my, my, my pick would be the Strixhaven Mystical Archive. But there is also like the honorable mention is going to be the Jace deck image because it has Jace and no one is actually putting any lightning through anyone's head nor putting your fingers up to your brain nor is it a brain in a storm it's basically a picture of Jace that says I have a plan actually I have three and that's not good it's not sort of innovative but at least it's not bad so honorable mention for jace there i said it yeah cover your ears listening no, i'm just kidding now i thought you would give the honorable mention to the other strixhaven uh, with the weird cat image that has lightning <laughs> going around in it yeah it's I, the thing that I, I i agree like the art for the brainstorm you chose is really nice it has some really great shapes and uh, cool effects. And I do think that a lot of the art did get underappreciated due to the faithless looting quote-unquote controversy. It's just art. If you don't like it, don't get it. But what I what I really like about this one, if you just look besides all of the cool shapes and like the colors are great as well. It's really yeah. blue, uh, which I appreciate. But I also get a bit nostalgic. It has this cartoonish feeling that gives me both Arcane and uh, the Dragon Prince vibes, which are two really well-drawn shows, like uh, cartoon shows. And I just think it's it's simple, it's elegant, and... It, it might be one of the better Brainstorm pictures, but for me, it's not Brainstorm. Well, I, I really like this uh, picture. I, I don't think it looks as good on the actual card because of the stupid border and like <laughs> the other things in that actual card. But like when you just look at this picture, it's one of the be- better magic pieces uh, I've seen in a while. I would, I would definitely like hang this on a wall in my home as an like just art. I think it's really nice looking. And uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with uh, what you're saying, Victor. Maybe like they should make a, a brainstorm that is like a whiteboard with post-its on it. That would be like the, the true depiction of how a <laughs> oh, brainstorm <man>. session <laughs> is actually going. <laughs> it should just be that meme, you know, when they're sitting at the table and like, we need ideas. And then there are two, <laughs> like very yep. dull ideas. And then the third guy speaks the truth and gets thrown out the window. Like yeah, maybe, it should be that meme. <laughs> yeah, like uh, the the card you throw out the window is the one you keep when you brainstorm lock yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I I concur. And again, like I I mean I I completely of course respect there is huge nostalgia value to to Ice Age and masks brainstorms and i'm not going to fault anyone for picking them for that specific reason i mean i would probably do too if i was to play a blue deck but having said that looking at the art specifically i find them underwhelming when it comes to a lot of these new new cards or new styles and frames and stuff like that one of the cooler decks that i've seen a deck pick of recently is uh, from, uh, I can't remember who it was. Uh, it was a, a person who's uh, big on Legacy Magic Twitter that posted their mono red stompy with like all the new cards. Uh, it was like the complete deck list, like the blood moons and everything. And I looked at the deck list and I was like, I'm not really sure 
if I know what deck this is, and then I started to realizing that, oh god, this is a stompy. This is, <gasps> Jesus Christ, this is fucking moon stompy. And it, like the aesthetic was there, like it's a new, it was like the Sumer stompy version. It was pretty. So I think like nostalgia is a bit of my weakness when it comes to picking this, but uh, I stand by it. And I think a lot of the listeners might agree because we're all conformists. I think I might have one or two people who agree with me, but that's literally one or two. Yeah, but that like that goes in line with uh, like when your D and T deck was also also mostly new art, right? And I would like I think a lot of D and T players would just like try to find be- beta sorts of plowshares and like OG printings of most things, and you're like, I like the new frame, and so yep. I, like it it goes with your view on uh, the magic aesthetics as a whole this is true and uh, that is all we have time for for this week we hope that you've enjoyed your time with us especially in this new segment Uh, expect it to return because there are many of these bangers to go through if you like our podcast the nice way of showing it is to tell a friend or to rate us in whichever podcast machine you use to listen to this and if you want to talk more with us and perhaps uh, sort of suggest new content or roast me hard for not going with the, the the classic brainstorm route you can join the discord server i'm gonna be there and listen to everything you can find the link in the episode description uh, to this episode and in addition to the discord you can hit us up on twitter we are at sthlm stockholm legacy we are also present personally on twitter robin where can our listeners find you you can find me on twitter at yakka underscore bow you can also find me on twitter at monolith mtg and i am at disco drogo and that is the end of the 57th episode of stockholm legacy report thank you robin sensei and anchor stoffer wikstrom warm thanks for listening the great frönes has written our music as always you can find more of their work on spotify until our next episode comes out treat your opponents the way you want them to treat you